Let the bodies hit the floor. Wow. Hell yeah. Yeah. Sweet. All right. I'm recording. Who's that? Mm. Uh, I got Papa Roach playing. Bow, 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 bow. Yeah. Blood Brothers, keep it real to the end. In the world, when the boss said, corruption and the gun, the salesman of our blood. Suffocation, no breathing. <laughs> I love in the suggested videos, because I'm on YouTube, uh, I have System of a Down, yeah. Metallica, uh, Meshuggah. These are, they're all connected. Uh, that's we call it the uh, the Papa yeah, Roach factor. Yeah, the, the <laughs> uh, triad of ends. Three degrees of Papa Roach is the mm. is the, the game. Yeah. Damn, it's like Only six three? degrees of Kevin Bacon. You got to be within three degrees of Papa Roach, and I, I feel like most musical artists on the planet, whether they're in a high school marching band or they are Elton John, they're all within three degrees of Papa Roach. Yeah, I'm just I think saying they're all one. Yeah, you can you can talk shit as much as you want, but anyone who fired up Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 on Christmas morning <laughs> and, you know, rolled down into that hangar with uh, Blood Brothers playing, I mean, that was that was a moment, you know, like I don't I don't think I was have talked no. any shit about Papa Roach here on this this year. Uh, what do we do? We but, call this the waiting room. Is that, is that what this is? Yeah, the, the waiting room. Yeah, We're all waiting, waiting for room. something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like that Fugazi song. We're in the waiting room. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, does anybody need a second? Do they got to test anything? No, uh, I'm good. no. I'm tested. <laughs> I got my water here. My sparkling water. Cool. I have my non-alcoholic beer. Wow. Yeah. Mm. I was about to say healthy boys, but <laughs> nope. That's still beer. <laughs> yep. Just not alcoholic. Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to science fiction. It's me, I'm back, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me tonight is... Jason. Andrew's back, and he's nobody's bitch! <laughs> um, yeah. And tonight we are talking about the 2001 uh, film, The One. Uh, the One was written by Glenn Morgan and James Wong. It was directed by James Wong. It is starring Jet Li, Delroy Lindo, Carla Gugino, and Jason Statham. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. It was released on November 2nd, 2001, here in the United States, uh, distributed by Sony Pictures. Uh, it has a wonderful runtime of 87 minutes. The budget, boys, was just shy of $50 million. It was $49 mm-hmm. million. Dollars. Do we want to take a stab at the box office? No. $70 million. Yeah, it's 72. 
$1.7 million. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, I knew that. So that I was cheating. I know you did. You guys <laughs> well, always know. That, that was... Uh, I, just, I do it for the listeners to sit there and yell at their car stereo. <laughs> yeah. 20! No, 50! Pull into a ditch in, in anger. <laughs> Crash into just a ditch. Rip their steering wheel off. Um, yeah, that- well, that was one of the funny things I kind of came across. You know, obviously, we'll talk about uh, all the, the usual stuff with this movie. But, yeah, um, not a critical darling by any stretch of the imagination. No. But it did make its money. Uh, somewhat of a, a, a decent, you know, commercial, um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily go and say it was like some runaway success or anything, but it, it did well in 2001, you know, it, mm-hmm. it did well. Yeah. I, I, I always kind of thought of it and I guess we're just, just always going back to that whole childhood thing. Uh, but I always <laughs> thought it was a decent movie, um, when I was younger. Yeah. I was always a fan of the, uh, the Jet Li uh, uh while we're kind of in that martial arts area i've always liked the the jackie chan films and stuff mm-hmm. like that i i know you guys as well as i grew up watching these kind of movies so uh this is just another good one what, what was another one that i always loved uh romeo must die romeo must die that one oh had, yeah um, Aaliyah in it yeah uh Aaliyah, who uh died shortly after that movie i believe she did she did she did that and then she did uh uh, interview? No, not interview with the vampire. Queen of the Damned. Oh, that was Aaliyah too, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then she she was like, uh, passed wow. away. She Romeo was all set up. up. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, there was that like era of critical mass from like probably 1998 to like maybe 2003 or four. I want to say where like it was the the revival kind of of the the Hong Kong sort of movie it was like you had the some contemporary element in there right so you had some pop music mm-hmm. or or hip-hop or whatever kind of that cultural thing right between um some something that was popular uh at that stage in the game and then you know this hong kong uh i don't Kung know Fu movie element yeah right there there's always some sort of element there um but yeah, there's a million of them. You can like list them off and really go nuts mm-hmm. with it. But it was funny because these movies, uh, I was always a big fan of family video where I grew <laughs> up, rest in peace. Um, but they would always have, I feel like those movies in kind of the like value, like two for one section. So I remember just like, I would always get them and that's how I saw these movies. That was like the summer, uh, you know, like popcorn movie or whatever would be hanging out after a long day of bike riding and, you know, getting, getting, uh, scraping our knees and, you know, doing the American kid thing, right. Riding mm-hmm. around the neighborhood, whatever. We'd go back and watch Romeo must die. And too fast, too furious. All, I, I'm just, I distinctly remember doing Jackie that Chan and summer 2002 or whatever. <laughs> Hell yeah. Nice. Um, Colin, do you have a synopsis for us? I sure do, boys. In a stunning dual role, international star Jet Li portrays Gabriel Yulaw, a police officer confronted with a sinister form of himself, escaped from an advanced parallel universe and intent on killing Gabriel, his alter ego's hunt. 
uh, culminates in a fateful battle between good and evil that changes Gabriel's perception of reality and forces him to examine the evil hidden within himself. It's the one. It's the one. Yeah. So there, there it is. Yep. That's the one. Damn. Um, yeah. So I didn't know this, uh, but uh, I didn't know that this was done by Glenn Morgan and uh, James Wong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know, I'm pretty sure everyone present uh, grew up uh, injecting the X-Files in, through their eyeballs. Um, I don't and, think I watched it until a little bit later. Um, but I was always kind of cognizant that it was around. So to, to find out that they uh, were related was really neat for me. Yeah. 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 It, it definitely... It was one of those things where after my my viewing, you know, I had no clue back in the day that this was anywhere, you know, adjacent to X-Files at all. Obviously, X-Files is one of my favorite properties, uh, favorite science fiction properties. And, you know, I love it. I I own all the seasons on, you know, DVD and Blu-ray and all that shit. And as you guys know, I am not one to do that. I'm not a big like have to have a series on physical media. Like that's not me really at all. I'm not really even a big movie guy in that regard, like where I had the physicals, but X-Files was a very big deal for me. And it's funny because though that those kind of, uh, I guess, creative partners, um, they're known for some of the better X-Files episodes, like some of the all time classics, you know, like the, the goats of that series. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of interesting because, you know, all things considered, like, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it as we always do, but not to say that there, there was anything like straight up just bad, bad about this movie. I mean, you know, yeah, there were, were things, but it was just kind of funny to me that, um, you know, they're kind of known for quality, I guess, in a 40 minute TV episode or whatever. And um, then, you know, you'd see a lot of, I guess, the the critical reaction to the one as far as uh, like the dialogue and some of the campier elements and everything like that. And not that they weren't kind of known for some of those elements as well, because that was a big uh, a big part of what made their episodes special, I guess you can say, but um, maybe balanced in a different way to where it worked a little bit better for people. But then again, the movie made money, too. So it's one of those things where it's like it's not like it flop flopped. It's just that it. Um, I guess there was some criticism as to the quality of what they were doing. So really interesting connection because I had no clue literally until last night when I started kind of doing my research on the movie after watching it for the first time in 20 years that uh, that was, you know, the kind of the big first uh, film debut by that collaborative team, you know, because they really are um, for the most part. Those two gentlemen are always kind of connected in terms of their creative endeavors. So. Yeah, I was I was pretty surprised to say the least. <clears throat> oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I was as well. Um, Andrew, uh, so yeah. th- this was your suggestion. Uh, yes. Why? Why? My... Why did we watch the one? Now that's yeah. not that's not a criticism. I'm just asking. No, no, why, why, no. Why this did, is why um, it? yeah. This ended up being my uh, kind of belated Miller March Madness uh, birthday pick, uh, if you will. Um. This movie apparently had a tremendous effect on me because I remember even like into my teenage years, I had the full like theatrical movie poster 
framed in my bedroom uh, from this movie. And um, I, I feel like if there's a reason why I'm a sci-fi boy at all now, this is probably one of those formative movies for me. Sci-fi and uh, kung fu action are like they're seldom in the Venn, di Venn diagram. That's not a very big crossover. Um, but I think this really informed a lot of my interest in like uh, big concepts like uh, multiversal um, kind of movies or big like think pieces like that. Now this, you know, let's 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 be honest. This is not a big uh, think piece of a movie, but. Um, it kind of would go on and, you know, you'd, I'd end up being like, oh, well, what's all this Event Horizon going on about? What's, you know, what's the deal with X-Files? So I think it was a really jumping off point. It was able to bridge something that I really liked uh, as a childhood, which was, or in, in my childhood, which was uh, kung fu movies, um, the sort of Jackie Chan action, you know, stunt fest and stuff like that. And then really inform kind of like, oh, there are more interesting avenues uh, that can be explored. So um, this was a this was a big childhood movie for me. Um, really glad I watched it again, and um, really glad we're talking about it today. Yeah, that's that's awesome, Miller. I actually thought you were going to say that uh, when you were growing up, like uh, Jet Li lived in your house. <laughs> yeah, like, no, like he was, we, we yeah. didn't talk about it. No one, no, met, no one really mentioned no, it. He, he was rented just, a room. Uh, he was his uncle garage. Jet. Yeah, Uncle Jet, you know, Uncle... lived in the garage. He rented a room in the garage. <laughs> Uncle Jet, he was out there doing the... Uh -huh. He was doing in his... Uh, at all hours of the night. He was doing these moves, these snaky... Uh, doing the crane, the snaky, snaky crane. moves, yeah. He was, yeah. Uncle, yeah. <laughs> Uncle Jet. Everybody, everybody had an Uncle Jet who lived in their garage, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> Yes, they did. Absolutely. Um, 1969 I, Firebird that he always was working on in I between uh, moves like this. I had an Uncle Funch. Funch, yeah, Funch. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Funch, mm -hmm, wrenching mm -hmm. in the garage. Yeah, no, that's cool, Miller. It's it's really cool to hear, honestly. You know, it, and it's funny, too, because I will say of, of all of the childhood killing endeavors that we've uh, undertaken here in 2022 mm -hmm. so far, because, uh, because you know, the, the world isn't a bleak enough place, so let's go kill all of our childhoods. <laughs> this is one of those movies where, funny enough, um, after watching it, and, and again, probably watching it for the first time in the better part of 15 years, if not longer, um, I, it did hold up for me. I, I did enjoy this movie. I thought so, too. I, I, I There were some little, uh, little bits, some little moments here and there. Um, and, I mean, this is not, like, a heady think piece of a movie um but it's got some cool concepts it's got some really cool like not even college level introduction to like multiverse theories and um stuff like that you know it, it it's a really good i think it's a good intro i think it's a hey this is a concept that exists why don't you explore deeper when you're older well Speaking of the intro to, um, or, or an intro, I, I would mm -hmm. point to the intro of the movie because it's funny to me. It's almost like if you took the introduction in this movie and then paired it with the outro and credit sequence of Lost in Space, you'd have like the perfect distillation <laughs> of that period of time in, in world history. Like, yeah. I love how like fast everything is and like it's so slapdash and just like, the you know the multiverses and it's like there's the big text on the screen 
and and it's like fading yeah. away and all that shit. Um, I, I thought that was like hilarious, and I was immediately like transported. It's funny, oh, they but it's drop like, you right in. Well, they... I was. I mean, back to two thousand and one. Oh, like I was too. immediately like, mm-hmm. you know, immediately twelve years old again. Like sitting there, like I said, on a summer Tuesday night. Uh, and you know, it would be after everyone was kind of done hanging out outside and doing our fun things or whatever. I remember those little plastic boxes that all the movies came in from the video store Yeah, <laughs> and I remember opening it up and sitting there and you know, my bedroom or whatever and be like, okay, what movie am I watching tonight? You know, I got to kill time before <laughs> Trigun and Cowboy Bebop are on mm-hmm. uh, Adult Swim. So, yep. <laughs> you know, what am I going to watch? And, and that was typically what I did. And it was a different one every night of the week. So it was kind of cool. You know, like I said, that transportative quality um that revisiting a lot of these old early 2000s kind of nostalgic properties i guess at this point for us uh yeah kind of like undertake that feeling so that was really cool um but yeah you know it's it's really interesting you're kind of like dropped right back into it and it it just has that I don't know if sheen is the right word, but it has that like late 90s, early 2000s sheen. And it was Mm -hmm. funny because we've really watched a lot of late 90s movies. And that era is so interesting to me because if you watch a film that was made today, right? And then you compare it with something from, I guess, a bygone era of the last 30 years. Typically, like there's going to be a pretty pronounced difference, but it's so crazy to me how similar like those 97 to 2003 movies all look, you know, just like the, the style, the costuming, all that other stuff like it. And the one is no exception. It's right no. there with, uh, you know, really, uh, what was the one I watched? I we didn't cover it for the cast, but it's kind of what sparked my whole, uh, they live thing. Um, escape from LA mm-hmm. got the same sort of like really shiny, like, pleather outfits and the way that the costumes are kind of designed and all the sets are very like bare and um you know kind of like matte looking and and like very brutalist you know it's just really interesting to me um but again i guess that's all kind of a uh the that era in filmmaking and the way they were filming things and all that other stuff so that was really cool <clears throat> Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if you guys knew this. But um, (laughs) the role uh, that Jet Li has was originally supposed to go to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. No way. This this is just just around that time when The Rock was transitioning from pro wrestling to uh, to to film. Um. I I uh didn't, didn't I don't do, like, I don't think this movie would have been good at all if it was The Rock. No, no it wouldn't have made sense. Didn't he do like the Scorpion King instead? Or he did something the Scorpion like King. He had well, he started out with a really terrible CGI Scorpion King in uh, the Mummy. I think two. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yep. That was his. Uh... So I wonder if that was the conflict. I wonder if that's why he didn't do it. I'm not quite certain. I don't know when his. Uh... Let, let's take a look. See, let's go down this little rabbit hole here. Let's um, look it up. The Mummy Returns, I think, was his first film role. Film role. Yep. As like a CGI. Yep. Piece of and shit. they came out in 2001, <laughs> and then 2002 they came out with the Scorpion King. Right. Oh. Uh, 
boy. And, uh, you know, it was all uphill from there, you know? Yeah. Now, yes. Yeah, now he's the highest paid uh, movie yeah. star. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I forgot he did the rundown. The rundown, Be cool. yeah. Doom. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you look at it, the films that he's in just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then, yeah, now he's, yeah, the top earning Hollywood person. Yeah, yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, over the span of, what, 20 years, right? Yep. Um, well, one thing that I wanted to mention about this, because I think, you know, as I, I said, you know, like, spoiler alert, I guess we talked about it more in the beginning of the cast, but like, this to me, it, it's funny, it it held up. And I think one of the big things to me that kind of propelled the movie to that status is definitely not, you know, the story or the writing. And like Miller already said, I guess another spoiler alert, this is not like the, the you know really heady sci-fi where it's got some major conceit that you have to buy into and you know mm -hmm. xyz whatever but what really surprised me is that by and large like the effects really held up in this and and mm -hmm. that was really kind of interesting to me especially of the era like the the cgi for whatever reason don't know why couldn't tell you i have no clue when it comes to you know, computer graphics and film and, and that type of thing. But like, it just looked more believable to me. Like maybe it was the way that they, like, they didn't necessarily draw your attention to it, but even like a lot of the fight scenes where there's a lot of those like superhuman, the one abilities yeah. that uh bad uh, Jet Li is, is kind <laughs> of like, uh you know, partaking in or whatever when he's like kicking the dudes and there's the yeah, slow-mo slow, bullet yeah, stuff. Down, and, yeah. Or like when he picks up the two motorcycles and like slams them into I that guy. That like <laughs> it's just funny to me that like a movie in two thousand one um, had it looked better and looked more, I guess, believable and and still held up than twenty years later, as opposed to stuff that you know is done today on a much bigger budget. But maybe it's just because a lot of that stuff is a it's a bigger part of the film, whereas you know most of what we were looking at was practical, and then like you had the the wormhole effects and you had the fight scene stuff or whatever, but like by and large, and I don't know, maybe is that like wire work? So it's a lot of practical stuff mixed in with the CGI. Like, I'm not really sure. I don't understand that aspect of it, but it just, I was kind of surprised because I was fully prepared for it to be like, Oh man, this is like power Rangers level of, you know, cringe or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I think probably partly primed because coming off of Lost in Space, that was one that I thought looked mind-blowing at the time, too. And then now you watch it, and it's like, oh, my goodness. Like, I, I could program that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, I was I was really surprised. I don't know what you guys think of that, but uh, I thought the effects were were pretty cool. And there's some cool shots in here, too. Like, the the very ending shot was, uh, obviously, they, they knew it, too, because that's why it was, like, four minutes long mm -hmm. um, when, you know, they're doing the pan out to, I think... A, the third or fourth or fifth Papa Roach song they featured yeah, in, the, in the movie. But uh, that that was kind of cool scene too. Yeah. Um, it almost reminded me of like Chronicles of Riddick or something like that. It had just this big, big mm -hmm. backdrop and lots of stuff going on and, you know, very busy scene, but it was, it was yeah. pretty cool. So yeah, it had this grim, dark world to it, this penal colony in the Hades universe. Well, <laughs> yeah. But you absolutely know that the human race, as soon as we can inhabit multiple worlds, they are just going to throw all of their uh, prisoners on another planet. Well, you know, to to a certain extent, I mean, they uh, 
I, I bet it's a bunch of uh, multiversal offenders that are on that penal colony. Or what's what's the other common sci-fi trope? A uh, like a prison barge. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So they're not even a prison, just in or, floating or prison, space a prison somewhere. island. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Little little known fact, but that guy that said to Jet Li, "You got a pretty mouth." <laughs> He also killed 124 of his doppelgangers. Right. And, yeah. and he was he was ultimate ultimate power. That's actually the real Uncle Jet. He was, he <laughs> was, that was, that oh, was no. my Uncle Jet. No. <laughs> Uncle Chet. Uncle Chet. <laughs> Uncle Chet. Um, <laughs> Chet Lee, his little known cousin. Chet must... Lee, but Lee is spelled L-E-E. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's hyphenated. That's his first name is Chet Lee. (laughs) (laughs) It sucks. Chet Lee Johnson. Hey, Chet Lee. (laughs) Oh, my God. Hell yeah. That's awesome. They, you know, but they, they, I, I, I think they did a lot of really cool things. Um, the, obviously the, the whole multiverse concept is extremely dumbed down, right? Um, the, the thought that, there are only 125 versions of yourself that exist in the multiverse as yeah. if there are only 125 possible multiverses is juvenile. Like, Wait, did, did they establish that there's 100, only 125? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, the, the, so he killed 123 and then the other two oh, that's right. would have been 125 and the whole object, his whole objective was to kill all of the other ones, meaning that logically there were only 125 versions yeah in so, total if you think about yeah, it even though, even though in multiversal concepts you know a multiverse is born out of every choice so theoretically there are unfathomable amounts of yeah multiverse can't, well, can't really wrap that one into the 87 no. minute long movie well, if no, you're trying you to explain so, essentially they're just trying to take the concept of highlander and put it in sci-fi so you do have to have the, the finite number there so that they can, yeah. each that, one, time one dies, they all get stronger. Yeah, exactly. and that was funny you, you brought that up, Colin, because that yeah, was another true, thing yeah. I, I wrote in my notes. You know, I hadn't was, even thought of that, yeah. sci-fi Highlander. The Highlander thing is there definitely can only a, be one. a strong connection. <laughs> I, haven't, sure. I don't watch Highlander every week like you do. <laughs> Bro, I, can't, I, I have to. I, I have to. The only the, the <laughs> yeah. only thing that the Highlander was uh, missing was honestly Papa Roach, right? Uh, and I it was just too him. soon or, or too early, right? Yeah, it's like, right. Way, they, way before they weren't time, ready for it. it. Really was. Uh, could yeah. you could you imagine the ending scene of Highlander, uh, and then Papa Roach starts playing, or even the opening scene? You get like yeah. Drowning Pool going. That would have been. Sick. They would have stopped doing been, the Oscars because like, nothing could have. What was the, what was the intro of uh, Highlander? Wasn't it like a giant battle on a Scottish? Scottish battlefield. Um, and my name is Duncan MacLeod. I was Clon born McLeod. 400 years Cl- ago Clon in the McLeod Highlands of Scotland. Here we are. And in the background, it's just drowning pool. To be be fucking... No, no, it's... you hear that, and then all of a sudden you just hear, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's got to be a cut of Highlander that exists. It's all <laughs> new metal. The mouse explodes. It's, it's all like <laughs> shitty <laughs> 2000s <laughs> new metal. <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah. I. I think this might be one of the reasons that I love new metal so much when I was younger was because this movie just put it in my brain and I ran with it. Mm. Well, it's funny too, right? Cause I mean, we were talking about soundtrack, like the, 
it definitely is a reflection of the times. That's what was popular. That was um, super popular. You know, super popular right this then and there. All and, of like and new metals greatest. We mentioned shits, the Scorpion King. Godsmack did like three songs oh, yeah, for that movie. They did. Well, yeah, and it was every movie though, because that's the thing you can't can't forget. Like again, another movie of that era of the same year. Like literally, you had uh, Fast and the Furious, Triple X. Oh God! Um, you know this movie. Jeez, mm-hmm. uh, what was that other one with the Did crank come out around here? Around no, this it was, time? that was like um, six, was seven a little years bit. Later. There yeah. was like a motorcycle. It was like motorcycle Fast and the Furious. It was, uh, Torque, I think it was called. So it was Torque. like all the. You remember that? So it was like all the same biker boys. That was another one. It was all the same stuff, and it was kind of funny because you know it it, it was a reflection of what was quote unquote cool in pop culture so that's mm-hmm. why you have Jet Li driving a van listening to some like you know like I uh, didn't even look at what band the, or yeah. something <laughs> you know <Yeah>. like <laughs> oh and then he's just like sitting there like oh yeah this is good <laughs> this is just when I found something yeah, about this like universe it. that I liked <laughs> yeah exactly right so I mean it's, that's it's, the- <laughs> it's all funny stuff but but yeah and in that way too it is kind of a reflection and that is like almost another thing that really kind of like put me back in that zone too because you hear that music and it's just like uh done done for effect right i mean they're they're like looping the same part of all those songs it's not they're not even playing it through it's just literally like the chorus or like the really aggro part and that's what they're playing while jet lee's you know uh doing uh slow motion kung fu stuff and you know kicking people in the air and everything so that, that was really funny to me but um well i was gonna say too i would go back a little bit in our conversation um in terms of kind of the sci-fi tropes, I guess, or things that it, it's talking about. It's funny to me because I think they, they made a few comments too. like, not only are there 125, you know, universes in the multiverse, but they can also pinpoint when a new universe is creating. So anytime a black hole is detected, uh, that's what creates a new universe. And they can pinpoint the exact place in space mm-hmm. and time in the, you know, in whatever universe that that happens and then they can catalog as new um, universes are created. So that's another way that they kind of keep tabs. It's kind of insinuated that this alpha universe that uh, I think what is it? Rodecker and Funch and um, bad Gabriel, uh, Eula or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, That's kind of where they're from. So that's like the universe that's kind of got this all figured out. You know, they're they're the time cops or the the dimensional cops, right? That Mm -hmm. they're, they have it all kind of sorted. And, um, you know, I thought that was kind of funny because for as little world building as this movie does, it's, it's very much kind of a roller coaster ride or like a mine cart ride. Like it's, it's very much kind of, Hey, this is what's happening now. Don't worry about all that shit. It's just kind of the set dressing. There's a few things that they touched on that are kind of throwaway lines, but it almost adds another like depth to it. If you really wanted to go there, like, uh, I think, uh, what was it? It was, I don't know if it was Funch or if it was you law makes a kind of a throwaway comment about like, you know how the party looks at that or like, you know how the party looks at things mm-hmm. kind of like almost uh, insinuating this deep sort of societal issue or like the, and it's a lot of it is kind of uh, brought back by like at the end, like you have the one guy who's the, I don't know if he like runs the facility or whatever, but uh, he's making all the bureaucratic decisions and telling Funch like, no, you, you can't do that or whatever. Um, they don't ever really dive into that, but it's kind of there. 
uh, like I said, kind of like throwaway line. But there's a few things like that I picked up on that I didn't pick up on when I was watching it when I was 10 or whatever. So I just <laughs> yeah. wanted to throw that out um, there, a little bit of subtext. Matt, when you were describing that with the whole, like, they can detect every time a new universe is created and all that jazz, that would honestly be the perfect, and you can't do it now, um, obviously, because the way the television landscape has changed, but that would be perfect for a, like, procedural weekly sci-fi show they should have done that instead of this movie that would have been perfect it would have been like stargate sg1 but with jet mm-hmm. lee and <laughs> wearing uh, a different wig every week <laughs> yeah. just having yeah. delroy lindo or something <laughs> different slick back hair and one and in one he's married to uh you know what is her name uh, uh gugino carla gugino yeah married to a different one of her tk tk law yeah. TK Law. I will say. I, I, oh yeah, yeah. I will say. Um, I did me. Did me. I did me a massive search. I sound like Chet Lee. Like <laughs> I did me a massive internet search. I did me a multiversal. Uh, a multiversal vacation here. Um, no. So I was looking for a big ziggurat to fight on. Um, <laughs> no, but but I. I really like. Uh, Delroy Lindo. I man, I missed that guy. He did really well. Yeah. He he. I remember there was that same era, man. It was like early two thousands. He was everywhere. He was kind mm-hmm. of like that mix uh, between like he he always reminded me of a mix. Not to do disservice Delroy Lindo because Delroy Lindo is very much Delroy Lindo and he's a very talented and accomplished actor. But he always reminded me kind of the mix between like Samuel Samuel Jackson and like uh, um. Oh, of course, now I'm gonna forget his name. Ving Mo- Rames. Modern actor. No. Um. Um, oh man, Idris Elba. Oh yeah, kind of like a mix between Idris Elba. At least back then, I, you know, like uh, Idris Elba wasn't as much of a thing then if he was a thing at all. But just like great actor, I had no idea that um, Delroy Lindo is a British actor. No idea. Yeah, everything I've seen him in, he's always had that kind of cool, calm, like West Coast thing going on, and well, it's yeah, just really like, interesting to me. Like, oh man, I like he's another one of those stars that I just kind of grew up watching, and you know, like uh, Get Shorty was always on in the house. I feel like mm-hmm. when I was younger, yeah, um, Gone in sixty seconds, Gone in sixty Loved seconds, been Gone in sixty seconds, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was fun. I'd, I'd check and see, and he's done some stuff, but he kind of he transitioned more into um, TV. It seemed like uh, TV. He's and, done some like theater mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah and, theater, uh, TV. Yeah. Kind of excited. He's going to be in that uh, Blade movie with uh, Mahershala Ali. Mm. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, uh, so we'll see what that's all about. Um, yeah, um, the cast. It, you know, we're going back to it. The, the cast, although small, was good. I mean, Jet Li as the the top of his career. I would say, like that was prime yeah. Jet Li. It was right around that time. Um, this is when you're the early phases of uh, Jason Statham's career. He was he, just God, like yeah, that hair. Just like you know. All these other actors, they were pumping out movies left and right at this time. I think you mentioned Crank, right? And Andrew, yeah. like, this is when he's... It's kind of funny that we're talking about these two actors right now, because I just saw a poster for, I guess, the fourth Expendables is coming out. Yep. And, and they're both in the Expendables. They are. It's, you always got to love that, because it's the old action stars from, like, the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s, and then you have the that second wave that came in like yeah, the 2000s the new guard so, yeah they're all in there um sorry 
get off topic there, but uh, but yeah, Delroy Lindo, it's fantastic, fantastic cast. Well, it's funny yeah. too. Like you had, um, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember the actor's name just off the top of my head. Um, played uh, Hank in um, Breaking oh, yeah. Bad. He was in yeah. like the first five minutes, and it was kind of mm-hmm. funny because it was the same thing. It's like a lot of those uh, actors that would kind of later go on to blow up. You know, like that's the thing. Like Jason Statham's a now he's also uh, kind of I uh, well. I guess debatable now, but if you wanted to go back into like the mid teens or whatever, very much a yeah. uh, marquee kind of leading man, sort of carry a movie on his own. Um, where in this, he's a supporting cast, you know, and you've got a lot of these other people that are very much kind of in the background as well that would go on to do big things. So, like, I think Colin said, I'm just trying to galvanize that as that it was a very good cast. Um, and the, the material they were given to work with, you know, that a lot of that I guess could be arguable, but I think everyone did as good of a job as they could have done in the the context of what they were working with, you know? Yeah. They, they used what they had and it worked. I mean, we, we can talk about it all day, but you know, financially it did relatively well. Um, I will say critically it, it it did not do well. No, this was, Uh, this was not universally panned. Yeah. Well, one person did say some, so here's, one person. One. We tracked yeah, him us. down. We tracked him boys. down for this cast. Here's, here's two, uh, two. Uncle uh, Chet loved it. Two critical yep. responses for you. So one, we have Roger Ebert. Rip. Uh, he gave it 1.5 out of 4 stars, calling it a brainless, oh. high-tech action with uh, interesting, without interesting dialogue, characters, uh, motivation, or texture. And then Robert Kohler, Variety, wrote, a combo of cheesy effects and martial arts choreographer... Uh, Corey Yoon's unimaginative staging results in something that's martially artless. Martially artless. I love yeah. that. I read that same one yesterday. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I, I hope that someday someone refers to like my entire existence as uh, high tech action. Yeah. <laughs> or martially artless. Martially artless. Yeah. Well, I, honestly, about the martial arts, and I, you know, I don't know much about martial arts except for what uh hollywood has taught me over the years um but it's interesting that they did design the way that uh the two uh chet lees fought each other they were using two different types of kung fu based on their uh yeah their uh you know evil or stuff like that more aggressive mm-hmm. i thought little things like that i think are fantastic little things i like i nerd cool. out about that kind of stuff all the time like you may not know this, but every single Jedi and Sith in the Star Wars movies all had their own. They were all uh, their own like fighting style was designed for them. There's mm. that much thought went into it that they all mm-hmm. fought in a very specific way. And it's it's fucking awesome. I nerd out about all that kind of stuff all the time. So I love to see even in this production, choreographers put that kind of work into it where uh, they were using yeah. two different times of kung fu because it it served that purpose for their characters well if you think about it too i mean that's the thing in this type of film right it's that's why you're going to see it i mean like (laughs) jet lee's in the movie so like you know no offense to jet lee because i think you know he can be a fine actor in in certain aspects too but like you're not going to go see a movie that is marqueed by jet lee and like expect you know (laughs) Citizen Kane or like it's going to be like a, a Quentin Tarantino like di- like dialogue back and forth for three hours or whatever like you no, you're expecting some awesome ass kicking and some really great mm-hmm. choreographed fights and 
and you know whatever so i think that that's kind of one of those things to to me like it's cool yeah they put the thought into that choreography and and a lot of that stuff especially in in this it kind of made me appreciate that era where there's a little bit more care taken with like the cinematography aspect of like fight scenes and that type of thing where everything was very clear and you could kind of track it with your eyes, you know, versus a lot of what would come after. And I think still plagues movies today. Um, just like that, like really quick cut thing where like, you know, you can't really tell what's going on and it's really can be murky or muddy and just like, Oh geez, you know, just kind of like, hurts your eyes after a while because it's such a frenetic style of cinematography with uh with fight scenes and stuff but i think that that early 2000s era like the, all the jet lee movies since he's so adept at that uh I, I think it does take a lot of coordination to build those scenes and and to do them right and to um choreograph it you know like a dance if you really want to think of it that way because that's what it is and that's what people are that's what's putting the butts in seats so i think um that's what separates the the good movies from the the poor movies in that regard when they're trying to make that the main hook is how much effort is kind of given to that aspect of it and i think you know regardless like you said of other quality concerns or things that could be brought up uh that was one aspect for me that definitely worked and i thought really held up but you'd kind of expect that anything you'd see with like Jet Li or Jackie Chan or any of these kind of martial art arts actors. Um, you kind of expect that quality, I guess at the very least, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's it. You love to see it. Um, all right, gentlemen, uh, was there any other, uh, any other points anyone wanted to bring up, uh, with regard to like the production or anything, um, I feel like we kind of touched on the choreography there and the nice yeah. blend between choreography and the CGI. Yeah, one nice. of the cool things about the CGI is that um, for the uh, the big fight scene uh, towards the end there, especially and well, any scene where they kind of fought, but especially the big fight scene at the Mountain Dew factory <laughs> where all that green liquid was spewing out. Um, the the way they achieved that was that they had a, an actor of similar build to Jet Li. They painted his face completely green so that they could like overplace the Jet Li face onto his. That's you didn't cool. Really, you didn't really see even uh, his face a whole lot when they were fighting, but just the fact that they went in there and did that was pretty neat. Yeah, that uh, green screening like that. They they didn't have to do that, but no, they chose no, to no. do it, and it just makes it that much more. Believe you can suspend the disbelief a little bit more, you know. So yeah, I, yeah, I think you appreciate it. like at the end too that scene with all the sparks and everything. They're fighting in the sparks and all that. Just like visually, it was a really cool scene, mm-hmm. you know. And and again, I, I just I have to go back to. For me, I don't know why, and maybe objectively I'm wrong, but I I just thought that these effects looked better and held up better than a lot of other works from yeah. that era. I don't know why, like I said, but maybe a lot of it is practical and that's what I'm I, seeing and well, I you know, think it's blended it's so well, but they weren't trying to overdo it. And that's what it all comes down to is use it as a tool to help along your storytelling, yeah. you know, your visual storytelling, but you don't have to like lean on it super heavy. Like I always like to compare it to episode two or sky captain in the world of tomorrow, which by the way, <laughs> we should fucking cover that. Um, but, uh, 
yeah, like Sky Captain, I'm pretty sure they just filmed in like an apartment somewhere. It's like it's, it's <laughs> just nothing but green screen. It's terrible. They yeah. filmed in Chet Lee's yeah. closet. <laughs> yeah. Chet Lee was uh, Chet Lee. His defunct closet. <laughs> His closet, which was actually just like a, a plastic bin in the garage. So right. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Yep. All right. And it was also really cool the effect of um whenever they would transfer universes. It was kind of like a um a precursor to like the whole Star Trek teleporting. But like they're just it's really cool to see them getting pulled, like it's almost like their atoms are getting pulled by pulled. You're pulled, you know, by you know, little bit by bit into this alternate universe and it's such a traumatic experience that they have to be like, you know, special flashlighted to make sure that all their atoms came through and they're not gonna yeah, well, that was kind of cool aspect too. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. the same thing. Like they just kind of show it to you, and and you know the subtext is there for how much you want to read into it, but it, they don't bash you over the head with it. But yeah, no, that it's a very like it. traumatic experience every time they go from universe to universe. Like it's not like you know zip and oh we're yep. back. It's like they're laying on right. the ground, like writhing, and <laughs> mm-hmm. there's just you know random arms and legs laying around, and it's just all everyone's crying, and it's just not. <laughs> <laughs> he's inside out sounds like a great mm-hmm. industry to be involved in the you know dimensional I don't, travel yeah in the i don't want to even see those uh the prototype travelers nope no you don't yeah, not I, one bit it is such a fascinating concept and i wish that a a a stronger sci-fi property could could lean into that kind of stuff more but uh nope this is what we got mm-hmm. um we, we never got the two the, no, I, I assume the two was uh, Jet and Chet end up working together yeah. um, to stop. Uh, Funch is now on a mad, mad fucking uh, tear across the multiverse, yeah. killing other other Funches. Yeah. And so they have to get together and put aside their differences and similarities in order to find Funch and stop him. Mm hmm. That's actually what the movie should have been called. Instead of the two, it'd be Finding Funch. <laughs> God, oh, God. That, that's that's a box office, uh, whatever you want to call it. That's a yeah. That's, that's, that's a, Oscar fodder. That's a goddamn atom bomb right there. That's yeah. you. That's, you're gonna be yeah. negative you're money. About, you're talking about putting yep. butts in seats. You just found it right mm-hmm. there. Finding, Finding Funch. Funch. Finding Funch. <laughs> and Jason Statham is still not the, the leading actor. Still oh, supporting role. It's actually yeah. uh, a, uh, like a road trip buddy cop film with uh, Jet Li and Jet Li. So yeah. Um, all right, gentlemen. Um, unless anyone else has anything they want to add, let's go around that that horn there, and I want to hear your guys' thoughts, people. final thoughts, and uh, whether or not you think this was good sci-fi or great sci-fi. Just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, I will begin. So, yeah, um, this movie, to me, I'm not even going to say it was good or bad. It was fun. I don't yeah. know if that's that's ever come up on sci-fi uh, cross sections in the 400 episodes plus we've done, but it was <laughs> it was a fun movie, so I don't think it it, it needs to be good or bad. Um, but it it was fun and it did hold up. Uh, one of the few that we've revisited that did in fact hold up for me. And you know I think that it's one of those rare movies where because of that fun factor, um, it doesn't necessarily need to be good sci-fi. It's not good sci-fi at all. Uh, if you wanted to like rate it as sci-fi, it's it's probably bad sci-fi, and and we would 
be right in that same category as a lot of the movies that uh, we've talked about where it's just kind of set dressing, right? It's just there to propel the plot along because you need a, a plot and you need that that kind of background to build the story around. But it is a fun movie and I think it it does have some fun with the concept. And like Colin said, I think the whole like Highlander multiverse Kung Fu thing is very apt. You know, um, I, I literally wrote that down last night on my phone in my notes was Highlander question mark so i think it that's that's kind of funny but uh yeah again you know miller thanks for bringing it up glad to revisit mm-hmm. it it was very uh very breezy um brisk um 87 minutes or whatever it was so um that was that was cool to kind of um be transported back to the land of mountain dew and and long summer nights and you know uh pure joy of early 2000s thanks <laughs> all, right. all right thank you jason uh andrew yeah i mean um similar to similar to jason i mean in terms of sci-fi not fantastic but uh i think the movie itself holds up it's definitely something um you know you could show your kids or if you had like a little brother or something uh it's a perfect movie for them um just really, I, I mean, I love the kung fu action genre, and I mean, this is definitely more action sci-fi than it is sci-fi action. Um, but it does a lot of really cool things. It does a lot of like neat things, like right, um, pretty good intro to like bigger concepts that other movies uh, and shows do way better. Um, so yeah, very uh, very fun uh, sci-fi. I guess is uh, the new rating, the new hotness. The, the new, the very new fun The sci-fi. newest hotness. Um, Funch sci-fi. All right, gentlemen, thank you. Um, I think I'll... Wait, what about you? That's what I'm about to say. Oh. Yeah. Um, that you're going to sign <clears> off. <throat> yeah. No, I... I've always liked this this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, going back to a wee little 11-year-old mm-hmm. Colin sitting in a, you know, movie theater renting it on, on VHS or DVD. I've I've always enjoyed it. It's a uh, it's a good time. I think you know to mark kind of what you said, Andrew. You know, gr- growing up on kung fu, it's just it's fun. It's fun to watch, like Jason says. Uh, no complaints from here. And while they didn't like go over the top with sci fi concepts, they at least dabbled in it. Gave it a little little old sci fi try, as we're gonna call it. Um, and they moved on. It was good. They told a story. Happy ending. Uh, even though TK does die. Spoiler alert. I totally mm-hmm. forgot that happens too. So when it happens, I'm like, oh. And it's goes, fine. Yeah. There's 124 yeah. other TKs, TKs out, out there, there and they're all the same. So yeah. it's all good. Well, one of them's bad TK, right? Yeah, one she's of them's married evil to TK. Uh, Chet. Yep. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yep. Married to Chet. She, and, she um, broke him out of space prison. Uh, time with a weird antenna prison. with a weird antenna rat <laughs> or a rat with an antenna, <laughs> antenna rat bomb what a weird that i i laughed my head off at that one i'm like it, oh shit it, i forgot the, the, the antenna the, uh, rat the down with the sickness rat <laughs> oh god um all let's right. all let's all agree that new metal sucks and, no you take that back <laughs> Get, uh, purge that from the records please um no, I'm I'm glad we watched this and I'm glad it didn't die for me like uh mm-hmm. other movies we've recently watched has. Um 
So that, that, that makes me, makes me happy. makes me feel good. I, I love when we can do that. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm not even going to decide to say what we're doing next week because we kind of play it loosey goosey. I'm hoping uh, we're going to do what we're talking about doing, but we'll, we'll find out. Um, so yeah, there you have it folks until next time.